Lord, we thank you again for this morning. We know, Lord, that um, we see your word and we see how sure your word is and that your word is eternal and that you are eternal. And, Lord, we know that we are finite. And even this morning we acknowledge, Lord, that even the best of us aren't, um, Lord, uh, immortal beings. And we pray for Joel and and the Radford family this morning as they all are suffering from um, an illness. Father, we just commit them to you and pray that you're... Um, uphold them and that they might be strengthened and be able to come back and um, fellowship with us uh, soon. And we pray to you, Lord, for your word this morning, that uh, you might speak to our hearts. Lord, help us to um, understand within the limits of our minds, Lord, um, just and comprehend just the immense and um, loving and powerful and gracious and awesome God that you are as we read your word. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, um, given the circumstances this morning, I thought what we'd do is actually go, and the, the readings this morning relate really well to what was on my mind as well, um, but to go through the, the scene of the, a lot of people call it the Passion of Christ, where he, he's captured, um, arrested, and then leading up to his death. And to give us that structure, um, I was going to go through John chapter 18. So we've read in Matthew, Matthew's account, And John's account is a little bit um, from a different angle. Matthew was focusing more on the the Jewish people. Um, John gives us a bit more more depth into some of the um, the things behind what we read in Matthew. And um, so if you turn to John 18, I'm going to use that as as almost like a film we're rolling out. And um, it's not going to be shown up on here, but it's it's in the book in front of you there. And that's that's found on page um, 1000. Um, and 70, I just lost my place there, 1,070 of the church, Black Church Bibles, 1,071. Okay, so what we're going to do is read through that, but just thinking about one of the things I really like, um, and we didn't have a TV for about seven years, I think, when we were married, um, but when we did get a TV, um, it was mainly because the kids came along, we thought we'd get one just so we can... Um, Al can have some entertainment while she's, you know, nursing the kids. Um, but what, one thing we do watch is the investigative type crime um, programs. I don't know if you guys like that. And I'm a bit of a junkie for investigative journalism as well. And it's always always really um, good to see something happen and then to see how they actually find what the, um, who did it. So there's all these who done it type programs, and um, you go through the why, the who, the how. Um, and also the yeah, yeah the motives of the people, and we saw in that Bible reading that Maria shared with us in Matthew what the the motives of the Pharisees were, um, and the word envy comes up, and we see a lot of the, in the crime scenes there's motives like greed, um, there's motives like jealousy, um, or just anger. Uh, very rarely it's just a random act; it's always some cause to it. So as we read through um, this passage in John. And chapter 18 and 19, and I might stop every now and then, but um, just put on the investigator cap on yourself. And so for the kids too, I mean, you've missed out on the children's talk, but you can also put on the investigation cap. And we're going to see who we're going to point the finger at. Why was Jesus killed? Who crucified Jesus? That's what we want to see. And as you read through that, we want to look at the who, the why, the how. Um, And so if you look at verse 1 there from chapter 18, it says, When... He had finished praying. Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kindron Valley. On the other side, there was an olive grove, and he and his disciples went in. Now Judas, so this is our first suspect, 
Okay, so we can look at suspects and characters as we read along. It says, Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas came to the grove, guiding and uh, guiding a, a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns and weapons. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, Who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth they replied. I am he, Jesus said. And Judas, the traitor, was standing there with him, with them. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Again he asked them, Who is it you want? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. I told you that I am he. Jesus answered, If you are looking for me, then let these men go. This, is, this happened that the words he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Jesus commanded Peter, Put your sword away. Shall I not drink this cup the Father has given me? Then the detachment of soldiers with its commander and the Jewish officials arrested Jesus. They bound him and brought him first to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest that year, Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jews that it would be good if one man died for the people. Okay, so we've got a few characters there, a few suspects um, we can point the finger at. Lots of players, lots of people of motives. Let's keep going. Simon, Peter and other disciples were followed, following Jesus because the disciple was known to the high priest. He went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter had to wait outside the door. The other disciples who were known to the high priest came back, spoke to the girl on duty there and brought Peter in. You are not one of his disciples, are you? The girl at the door asked Peter. He replied, I am not. It was cold and the servants' officials stood around the fire that they had made to keep warm. Peter also was standing with them, warming himself. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciple and his teaching I have spoken openly to the world, Jesus replied. I always taught in synagogues or a temple where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. And when Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby struck him in the face. Is this the way you answer the high priest, he demanded? If I said something wrong, Jesus replied, testify as to what, what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? Then Annas sent him, still bound, to Caiaphas, the high priest. Okay, then continues on in verse 25 there. As so Simon Peter stood warming himself. He was asked, You are not one of the disciples, are you? He denied it, saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him. Didn't I see you with him in the olive grove? Again, Peter denied it, and at that moment the rooster began to crow. Then the Jews led Jesus from Caiaphas to the place of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, the Jews did not enter the palace and wanted to abide to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, sorry, if he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, Take him yourself and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, the Jews objected. This happened so that the words of Jesus had spoken, indicating the kind of death he was going to die, would be fulfilled. 
Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea? Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about that about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. It was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You are right in saying that I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this reason I came into the world to testify the truth. Everyone who... Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? Pilate asked. With this he went out to the Jews and said, I find no basis for a charge against him, but it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, No, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in a rebellion. Okay, so we've got some other characters there and suspects. Um... Let's go to the next part here in chapter 19, verse 1. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers um, twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on him, his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him in the face. Once more Pilate came out and said to the Jews, Look, I'm bringing him to, out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing a crown of thorns and a purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. As soon as the chief, chief priests and officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! But Pilate answered, You take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. Then the Jews insisted, We have a law according to that law he must die, because he claimed to be the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid. And he went back inside the palace. Where did he come from? He asked Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. Do you, do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said. Don't you realise I have the power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, You would have no power over me if it weren't not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jews kept shouting, If you let this man go, you are a friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat on the judge's seat at the place known as the Stone Pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was a day of preparation of Passover week, about the sixth hour. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, Take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priest answered. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. Okay, so now we have other suspects coming on. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying, him, carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic means Golgotha. It's called Golgotha. Here they crucified him, and with him two others, one on each side, and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared, fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read the sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews 
protested to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, divided them into four shares, one of each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven into one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled, which said, They divided my garment among them and cast lots for my clothing. So this is what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his, his mother, his sisters, his mother's sister Mary and the wife of Clovis and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and his disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, the disciples took her into his home. Later, knowing all that it was completed and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine and vinegar was there, so he soaked it and sponged it, put a sponge on it and a stalk of hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now, it was a day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath because the Jews did not want bodies left on the cross during the Sabbath, and they asked Pilate to leave, uh, to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers, therefore, came up and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus and then those of the others. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, bringing sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it testif- the man who saw it given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, that he testifies, so that you also may believe. These things happen so that the scriptures will be fulfilled. Not one bone will be broken. And in the other scripture it says, they will look um, on the one they have pierced. And then it goes on with Joseph and Romeo taking his body and um, taking it to the tomb. So we have a lot of suspects there, don't we? Um, So if you've got your little investigation hat on and your finger ready to point. We see in the first part there of chapter 18, as I mentioned, Judas is, is um, mentioned. And what do you think Judas's motive was? Why did he hand over Jesus to, be, um, to the authorities? It was basically greed. He was a treasurer and he wanted to um, basically increase his, his lifestyle. And although he tagged along with Jesus, whenever the disciples did anything good or some money was spent on Jesus that could have been spent on the poor. Um, Judas wanted that, wanted to know why. Why was money wasted? He essentially was a greedy man. Um, so we see he had a motive, but was he the, the main suspect in the crucifixion of Jesus? Was he the one that we can point the finger off to and say, well, Judas, you're to blame? Then we read in verse 3 there, uh, we have another suspect, other suspects, and they're the soldiers and officials. So the Roman soldiers would have come down. Um, they, would have, they weren't actually appointed by Pilate at that stage. They were dispatched just to avoid the riots that could have happened if Jesus was um, arrested. And so the soldiers took him. So we see in verse 3 there the mention of the soldiers and officials coming to, to arrest Jesus. Um, then we also see in verse 3 there the chief priests and the Pharisees introduced to us. And in the, the passage we read from Matthew, we see that what their motive was, and it was envy. And that's uh, the notes that Joel had on the back of the, the, the service notes there, that they were envious of Jesus. 
and who claimed to be God. They also accused him of, blas- of blasphemy. But he also had the following of the people and he was leading the people into what they thought was a, uh, an error. Um, and they, they hated Jesus. So they definitely had a motive and, and they're mentioned there as those who were involved in the crucifixion of Jesus. And in particular Caiaphas, who was the high priest at the time. Okay, then we go to um, verse 28, and we see another suspect, and that's Pilate, the governor at the time. So he represented the Roman authority at the time. And, um, and you can see many times he's coming in, going out, back to the people, coming in, talking to Jesus, going back up to the people. Five times he, he came in and out, um, and you can feel a lot of frustration, both with the people but also with, with what Jesus was saying. Because all Jesus had to say was that, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not really... To blame, you know, the people were just taking God's word out of context, and Pilate would have let him let him go. Um, but the chief priests and those and the Jews um, were adamant; they wanted Jesus crucified. And at the end, Pilate just gave in to their continual um, demand for Jesus to be crucified. So we see there the Roman governor, and also he's mentioned in verse twenty-one, um, verse thirty-one there of chapter eighteen. It says, Pilate said. Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. And then we see later Pilate actually handing him over to the, to the, um, to the soldiers. Okay, in verse 36 of chapter 18, also we see um, Jesus mentions there that he says, My kingdom is not of this world, when he's speaking to Pilate. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest um, by the Jews. So Jesus' followers, his servants, could have prevented, in an instant, it's mentioned there, they could have prevented his death. They would have fought. And in a, in a way, Peter did. He chopped the ear off that, that, um, that soldier, uh, the person, Malchi, who uh, tried to arrest Jesus. And so if, if Jesus' followers had, um, had an uprising, then they could have prevented Jesus from being um, arrested and then crucified. So are they to blame because they didn't rise up and, and show loyalty to their, to their leader? Um, so it implies there that, you know, from a worldly perspective, um, if there's a leader that, wrote, you know, that comes up and if there's a, um, a takeover in any country we have in the world today, um, normally there's a group of people that are attached to that, to that leader and um, they're the ones that sort of rise up and, and try to get their leader, um, prevent them from getting arrested. So are they suspects in this, in this scene as well, followers of Jesus, because they didn't really stand up for him from this world's perspective? So, another suspect, and that's God himself. As we, as we read through that, did you notice a comment that's um, continually mentioned in that passage as we've been reading through? Um, the scripture, as the scripture has fulfilled. That comes up all the time. And if you look at verse 18 of chapter 18, um, sorry, verse 11 of chapter 18. It says, Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? So it's, the cup is referring to the, the, um, the wrath of God that Jesus was going through, the suffering, the, um, the persecution, the bitter cup that Jesus had to take. That came from God. It was given to God, from God to Jesus. So in a way, God is, is, the, is a suspect here because he was the one, and the scripture is fulfilling all that, is saying that this, this is done to fulfill scripture. 
So was it God we can point the finger at? So going back to the scripture being fulfilled, we see that one, two, three, four, five, six, at least seven times I found this morning as I was going through, where it mentions the word the scriptures so that the scripture might be fulfilled. So if you go to verse 9, for example, of chapter 18, um, it says, yeah, the one, yep, verse 9, um, this happens so that the words he had spoken will be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those you gave me. Um, Verse 32. This happened so that the words of Jesus had spoken, indicating the kind of death he was going to die, would be fulfilled. Verse 37. Um, In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this reason I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who's on the side of the truth listens to me. So Jesus is testifying to the truth. Um, Verse Chapter 19, verse 24. No, stop at that one. There are more afterwards. It says, This happened that the scriptures might be fulfilled regarding the dividing of his garments. So we see here it's in God's plan that Jesus goes through this episode. So when we started reading, rushed through to to his crucifixion there, is part of God's plan. And each one of those, and even a lot of the details of what, I, what we read this morning um, are found in Psalms and other parts of the Bible, in prophecies, that John didn't raise here. So we see many of the instances where Jesus and the things that happened to him um, were prophesied and were planned, in, part of God's plan, part of God's sovereign plan. So do we point the finger at God? Who do we point the finger at? Okay. So this is where I think the, the passage that Maria read from Genesis this morning um, directs it back right to the beginning of time, right to, the, to uh, where God provided a garden, um, a perfect place for us as human beings to live. Yet um, we were tempted and we gave into that temptation and um, the, the blame was put on God. You know, did God really say... So we read in that passage of, of, um, of the, the condition of the human heart. But I want to just go to um, Romans chapter um, 3, and we'll just have a look at that. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. What's my place here? And that's found on page 1114 of the Black Church Bibles. So 1114, Romans chapter 3. Reading from verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did this to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just, and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. So it's pretty clear there um, why Jesus went through what he went through and how he, he ended up on the cross. It says here, God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement. And that paints a picture of what, the, or the Old Testament paints a picture of sacrifice and atonement with the many sacrifices that had to be made. And as you read through um, you know, the, the first five books of the Bible, you think, why do we see so much sacrifice? Why do we see so much bloodshed? Why do animals have to be killed for human sin? 
Um, and it just seems really, you know, something that's just meaningless in a sense. But it all points to the fact that Jesus was going to come and God presented him as a sacrifice for us. And so it's for us. So if we had to point the finger of anyone, and you can point one finger at someone, but there's always four fingers pointing back to you. And that's the case in here. It's, we're the reason why Jesus went through what he went through. We are the reason. It was, fulfilled, it was part of Scripture. It was part of God's plan. Um, was to present Jesus as a sacrifice for our sins. So although there were many players in the, in the story that we read and in the film that we saw, um, many suspects, ultimately it was, it, we were the ones, we're the reason why Jesus went through that and it's because of God's love for us. And in the, the book of John, John 3.16, and most of you probably know that by heart, you know, God so loved us that he gave his only begotten son that um, we should not perish but have eternal life. And that is the reason why God um, allowed Jesus to die for us. He took the cup, the wrath that we deserve, and his blood was shed for us, which is what we're going to be looking at during communion this morning. So in a way, it's Good Friday probably isn't really that good when you read the story of what happened to Jesus, but it is good for us. It's good in that Jesus was presented by God um, to be crucified for our sins. And that's why we can have forgiveness of sins. We can be thankful for what Jesus has done. And that's why we, we remember that this morning. And Danny's going to lead us in, in that communion. So as believers, I think we should really, when we read through the scripture, we shouldn't say, you know, people want to blame. And you hear a lot of times, especially when they made the, um, um, the Passion of Christ, and people were really upset because they said, well, Mel Gibson is basically blaming the Jews. And I think Mel Gibson said something about the Jews are at fault. Um, and then, you know, the Jews are saying, well, you know, how are we at fault? Um, some people said well, it was Judas, the betrayer, and Judas is always portrayed as the one who, you know, betrayed Jesus and led him to the cross. People say, no, it was the Roman soldiers, you know, and Pilate. He could have usurped his authority and stopped it from happening, but he didn't. Um, and the soldiers made it even worse by basically t- torturing and persecuting Jesus on his way to the cross. Um, we can blame them, but ultimately it's for us. So... Um, Let's think about that as we come to communion this morning and um, as we approach Good Friday. And let's also remember that Jesus didn't just stay in the grave. He wasn't just crucified and went to the grave, but he did rise again. And that, in that power, that's why we can have the forgiveness of sins and that's why we can have eternal life. And that's why we need to come Sunday morning so we can get part two of the story. So I encourage everyone to come along for Sunday.